This is the Yacht Business Podcast hosted by David Fuller. For more information, see yachtbusiness.biz. Welcome back to the Yacht Business Podcast. I'm David Fuller. In this episode, we talk to Neil Patchett from the Australian Boating Industry Association about the Sydney International Boat Show. We talk about the state of the boating industry, efforts for more sustainable boating, and why being on the water is so good for us. Welcome, Neil Patchett, to the podcast, Yacht Business Podcast. The occasion, I guess, we're celebrating, and I want, the reason I wanted to do this recording now was uh, we have the, the Sydney Boat Show coming up. I believe it's from the 3rd to the 6th of August. Uh, at the ICC in Cockle Bay, Darling Harbour. So tell us a little bit about it. What's some of the highlights? What should we be be looking forward to? Uh, well, look, thank you for the invitation to have a chat. Certainly, it's the 54th edition of the Sydney International Boat Show, and you're right, it's being put on down at Cockle Bay. It's split across two venues, effectively, the, the in, indoors, which is in the International Convention Centre, phenomenal relatively still new building the icc we've taken a complete you know halls one to four uh through one level and they're completely sold out and then outside the icc building you've got a concourse area which is a short run across to cockle bay which is a bay within sydney harbour Uh, i'm sure some of your listeners will know that and be familiar with it but it's part of darling harbour and and then opens up into the broader main harbour itself and Cockle Bay is a, um, a quite a protected little pocket of water right in the shadows of the CBD, just to the west of the central business district of Sydney. And it provides a wonderful opportunity to have a, an indoor show mixed with an on-water show in an area that's dedicated for, um, really, it's a very much a public space. Even this year, David, we've the Sydney International Boat Show is sharing that entire precinct, uh, a live site for the FIFA Women's World Cup live site up in Tumbalong Park, which is just to the south of the boat show. So the whole place is going to be pretty much buzzing, I reckon. That is unique. When I think about some of the boat shows around the world, you've got to travel a fair way, you know, from the capital city or the main city out to the coast to where the where the marinas are or where the exhibitions are. That is something very special for Sydney that you have it right next to the CBD uh, which I guess also allows for, you know, maybe visitors to trade visitors to visit sort of during the the non weekend days and the and the the boating public to to make the most of the weekend as well. No matter where you are in Sydney, if you're relatively close and you want to drive in, you can park. But it's typical of a big big global city, uh, sometimes public transport's not a bad option, you know, and you can shoot in relatively easy and the. And those main transport hubs are literally underground within a probably about an eight-minute walk from the the, uh, the venue space. And you're right, the, the fact that we've got a business district there that typically during the weekdays, you get a lot of people coming out of the city, particularly towards the end of the day. They flood down, you know, to have a break from being stuck in an office behind a desk and get out there and have a chance to check out what, you know, what their dream boat looks like and they can get a feel for what their next craft may look like and bring their friends and family down and and ditto for the general public. We've been making a concerted effort over the last 12 months to lift the sailing component 
um, represented at the Sydney International Boat Show. And this year we got probably more yachts in water than we had last year. And that's a good sign. But we've also created a, a Discover Sailing and Paddle Hub on that concourse area between Cockle Bay Marina, where we actually literally build a show marina. It, it's being built right now um, with an amazing program to deploy mooring blocks and lines and the structure gets floated down, down the Parramatta River into Cockle Bay to make the marina configuration that this year will hold at the moment, we've got 215 boats in water booked for that space, which is good. That's better than we had in 2019 before the pandemic blew everything up. And the in that concourse area, this Discover Sailing Paddle Hub will have a, uh, a live site, a stage with presentations running each day of the show. We'll have, have people being interviewed uh, on that stage from both sailing and paddling, people like the, the some of the women crew from Australia's first women's team in the America's Cup through to people who have done some amazing paddling, you know, adventures, long distance paddling and rowing adventures, which are just simply extraordinary. So there's some really fabulous stories being told. And on the deck around that area will be displays and presentations from organisations involved in sailing, sailing clubs and classes, uh, looking at having a, a couple of 18s there. A bit of intake the 18s what we're trying to construct is the old and the new one of the latest 18 foot skiffs which are pretty mind-blowing for people who don't know what a sailing boat looks like with an offset by the original wooden ones and the, all the as many of the representation of the junior introductory classes that we can get our hands on you know optimus the big opens those sorts of craft through to the intermediate training boats whether they're cherubs or 12 foot skiffs and those sorts of things and we're also looking to repeat that sense of the sailing environment atmosphere in the foyer of the of the ICC halls themselves, where we'd have more of those junior classes just to create the sense of celebration of everything about boating. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Yacht Business Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss new insights and interviews. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Yacht Business, or get updates via email on our Substack. Go to yachtbusiness.substack.com. Now back to the show. You said that the, obviously the uh, the exhibitors' numbers are, are are up, and you've got a lot of a lot of exhibitors. Um, how 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 is business post uh, pandemic? I know that for for certain markets, um, you basically couldn't buy a boat for love or money during and just after the pandemic. Is that continuing or is it dropping off a little bit? Oh, it's, it's eased back a bit, uh, David, but I've got to say that boating is still a, a very popular option in a, across Australia as a leisure activity, you know, and it's no surprise, right, because 85% of our population live within 50 kilometres of the coast. And in a state like New South Wales, which is host to the Sydney International Boat Show, almost one in five households has a boat or watercraft. And that is not, that's relatively replicated across the country in terms of that ratio. So Australians love the water, okay? And there's a significant proportion of Australians get out on it. About, about 5 million people go boating in Australia every year. So for the, the industry, it certainly has been an amazing, you know, couple of years. There are, there are, brands in Australia that have got order books 
going way out, still way out, 2026 kind of thing. And when you get up to the bigger end, I think it has eased a fraction. But an indicator of that is I work with the regulators across the country and and pretty much across the across Australia, license numbers are up, something okay. like eight percent year on year. And what's really good too is that women who are, who are taking up licenses to drive boats, the growth on year on year in for women getting into boating is up by seventeen percent. So, and that's extraordinary. Yeah. Now we just done the the state of the industry sort of high level snapshot from a data point of view. And just got our numbers in. And last year, the national turnover was $9.64 billion, And we're, the, the industry is directly employing more than 25,000 people and about 7,000 contractors, a bit more than 7,000 contractors. The employment numbers are dropping a fraction because it's so tough and competitive in the, in the, in the labour market. Right, um, and we're doing a whole range of activities to to push back and try and get a better outcome there. But the the industry's buoyant, robust, has enjoyed an exceptional couple of years, and it's still running. It's still running in a positive track. Yeah, sure. Speaking of the demographics, how about the next generation? Is it is it still skewed to an older older age group? It's 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 a relatively large investment boating, irrespective of whether you. A paddleboard, or a, or a, or a, uh, an optimist, or a, you know, fifty foot um, yacht. There's, there's still a relatively large investment to get into the, into the sport. Yeah, I think with, over the last couple of years, definite, de- definite up, upswing in the number of new entry people getting into boating, and that's showing up in those license numbers I referred to. Um, the regulators all report that the, those, those increases show a significant component of new entry. We are we're forming from a boating industry association point of view, where we've got some pretty strong relationships with regulators um, around safety, particularly aiming at that new entry people, because we totally understand the argument that you know we want boating to be a one of the best first options you would make for a leisure activity, but therefore it needs to be safe. When you've got couples making decisions about investing good hard-earned cash, it needs to be a, a wonderful looking option with great social benefit, but it's also got to have that that safety piece, right? It's a very much a relatively safe activity. And the market in Australia is in is in good health. It I don't think anyone's resting on their laurels right now because it is backing off a fraction. It's quite competitive, but that's okay too. Australians build great quality in the product and uh and also represent great brands you know like it in uh at the the sydney boat show like i mentioned it's something like 215 boats on the marina and almost 400 in the halls different types of craft you can get into boating for hundreds of dollars as well as through to millions yeah um i think the cheapest probably the, the lowest price you know craft at the boat show this year is probably going to be around seven or eight hundred dollars you know, for a paddlecraft, mm. um, but at the top end, you're talking price on application. You know, right, so. of course, yeah, with a five year waiting list, as you say. Um. <laughs> well, maybe, but you know, there's a you know, there's a range of boats there. Like at the luxury end, you know, the Horizon's got a the FD80. I think they're around about twelve million. Extraordinary motor yacht. There's a brand spanking new Nomad 101. Um, that's a that's a POA. That one. 
And then in the in the sailing area, there's a range of sailboats, as I was mentioning, and um, not the least of them being a, a boat like the Beneteau Oceanus 54, a beautifully put together, you know, sailing boat. But even even that, you know, you're you're, you're talking 1.3 million or that kind of price range. But sure. I'm a firm believer that it's great to have those aspirational craft, but if you're a new entry person, there literally is a boat for every budget and every ability. You know, sure. it's up to it's up to making the right decision about what's right for you. Okay. Yeah. I noticed that there's a um, there will be an announcement about a sustainability award. Given that you know, there's five million people that get out on the water and enjoy our beaches and waterways and whatever else is, are the are boaters and the industry doing enough? On the on the sustainability side, um, on the pla- you know removal of single use plastics and renewable fuels and and those electric boats. I mean, obviously the the switch to electric cars has taken a little while, but it seems to be absolutely happening in earnest now. Is the industry doing enough on that on that side of things? I I would say my personal answer would be no, because it's never going to be enough. To be honest, the the boating industry has started to take action and that they've been start we, we have been starting to take action for a number of years it is absolutely ramping up we've joined with other marine associations in australia to um in a program to have our members to uh, you know basically a pledge to stamp out single-use plastics by 2025 we've also joined up in a range of other actions including both domestically but internationally we're part the boating Industry Association in Australia is part of ICOMIA, which is the International Council of Marine Industry Associations. And as part of those that work, uh, for example, myself, I'm on the sustainability committee with ICOMIA, and I'm also on the climate change working group for ICOMIA. And I can tell you that there's a passion within both of those groups at that international level to really try and drive change. In the context that boating is a a very small contributor to the total output of greenhouse gas emissions, okay, like we're talking seriously small as a percentage, well less than 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 one percent. It's point zero something, you know. Um, yeah. However, we do have a, and that's why I said answered your first question. Have we doing? Are we doing enough? No, but to qualify that. There's a lot of activities dialing up, and and I think it's important to note that that act, that activities are underway, and we've also got an influx of, you know, younger generation people coming into businesses or taking over businesses or whether they're there's something like seventy five percent of our businesses are family businesses, right? Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of generational churn in them, and as you get those younger those younger generations coming through. There's a lot more flexibility and agility, and they're happy to adapt, right? And they kind of get it. It's no secret to say that people who have been, you know, sort of the older demographic, it's a little bit harder to shift. And you put all that together, and I think we are going to respond to the challenges around sustainability. We're not moving as fast as the automated uh, sector, but that's a relative issue because of the relative scale, and they've been running hard for so long because of the scale of their business across the planet. 
Um, yeah, that's also about in, investment in infrastructure as well. You know, if you yeah. don't, there's no point in having an, an electric boat if it's being charged from a you know power shore power which is co generated by coal. Well, you know, in I can speak from personal experience. You know, my partner and I, we've um, we've got an electric vehicle, and we and we are fortunate enough because my partner she works part time. That car is charging during the day a lot. We charge it during the day off our roof, okay? Yeah. Because um, we've got solar power. We've got, we're lucky enough to have significant solar power on the roof. And we actually have a, an uh, electric outboard on a small trailable yacht, a little trailer sailor, Signet 20. The thing is awesome. We also charge that during the day. So it's actually not drawing from the grid to charge. Yeah. That's We're lucky that where I live, we've got enormous sunshine. <laughs> It's a, it's a it's an example of what can be done, but the 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 market is starting to shift, and as you as you alluded to, it's shifting quite quickly now. And part of the work with Icomia is to do um, they've commissioned a, a decarbonisation study and life life cycle analysis uh, in marine, and it's really around propulsion systems. And we would expect to see the outcome of that probably within the next couple of months. And I'm really looking, my personally, I'm looking forward to it because obviously I'm I'm engaged in sustainability discussions for the industry, both domestically and internationally. And that'll be wonderful to have in the back pocket to frame our direction and policy positions as we transition. We've got members of the BIA already installing um, charge stations at marinas, for example, already doing that. Uh, and already looking at the actual, you know, charge points for electric vessels, uh, which is slightly different challenge themselves. Sure. So sure. I think. I think. Well, no, I think. I mean, obviously, renewables is a is a thing. But as you say, you know, boating is probably a pretty pretty small part of the problem. I, from my point of view, the plastic issue is a lot a lot more of an issue, especially if you've just spent whatever it is, one point three million dollars on a fifty foot boat, and you're sitting in a what is meant to be an unspoiled harbour and it's full of plastic bags yeah i think you know interesting thing there you know i lived in i lived in sydney for quite a long time a couple of decades and and you do see plastic bags in sydney harbour right but we actually did some tracing of where the where the pollution comes from uh that type of pollution it's the stormwater runoff right. that's generating in a place like Sydney, the stormwater runoff off the streets and, and roads of, of metropolitan Sydney that actually get flushed off in a downpour into Sydney Harbour that generates 99.99% of that, that floating debris, plastics. The boating public, as a cohort, I, I really do believe are genuinely, by and large, very responsible. You always get 5% in any, in any demographic sort of split up um, that kind of start to stray a little bit but the bulk of the voting community are very responsible i firmly believe that if they have the choice to make to make the right choice about you know whether it's propulsion systems or fuels or engine systems where where greenhouse gas emissions and and pollution reduction and plastics can be minimized i think that's they they're one of the first to step up and start to take action so yeah i think it's also interesting to see that the, the time between some of the uh, high-end R&D that might be being developed in the America's Cup or some of the big design-led uh, competitions, is the, dis the time that it's taking for some of those technologies to be 
filter down into um, recreational boating seems to be getting shorter? Oh, they'll definitely flow through for sure. But actually, you just reminded me, I was at a, um, I was at a, um, a, a forum recently with another industry group, which is based around roads, so caravans. We, we were discussing sustainability and electric charge and electric propulsion, electric propulsion but for vehicles and boats. And the, the, the issue that occurred to me was that currently, as far as I know in Australia, and probably in many other countries, the electric charge point for a vehicle is designed to be nose on or tail in, not drive past. Right. So it means it means that if you're if you're towing a boat or a caravan, you you almost have to unhitch. I see. Yeah. To get to that charge point. So to to your point earlier about it's part of this is all about infrastructure. That's one of the things the boating industry is doing. We're taking every opportunity to lobby and advocate on behalf of the industry on things like that sort of infrastructure. So we've already engaged with with the federal government on matters around this, and we do the same thing with the with the state governments because they're all they're all mobilising themselves at different speeds and at different stages in terms of response to um, sustainability. And where we totally understand that we need to be in in there in those conversations with them and being relevant. And that's one of the reasons why the BIA is quite keen on this work around decarbonisation. We're very keen on issues around waste retention and recycling and repurposing of end-of-life cycle vessels, for example. We're very active in conversations at every level with every government on that and also just the pollution, the plastics. I saw that Suzuki have developed an outboard that actually has a microplastic collection capability uh, whilst in operation. Okay. A really innovative um, concept that's available on some of their outboards. And I think, David, I think we'll continue to see the the industry um, respond with an increasing speed. And that's important because with a lot of the work that we do from a BIA point of view, we're very, very keen to see the industry make its make put itself in a position where we're not being dictated to by regulators because we d- haven't done enough. Right. And right. so, yeah, you don't want it to be enforced, you know, on you if you have just because you haven't. If we if we've just been sitting back on our back on our hands and going ho hum, this is all someone else's problem. That's will be absolutely blow up in in uh, in the industry's face. So yeah. And that's why that that international council is so active in that space around sustainability and that work that I mentioned earlier. And it's why that when I say that we're relevant, that's what I mean by being relevant. So that yeah. we're not we don't have regulations dictated to us about waste, pollution, and all these other factors and emissions. Uh, we need to be in the conversation and, and be respected for doing our lifting our our weight in the game so yeah i think there's some really exciting stuff going on as well i mean i know that one of the big uh italian super yacht uh, manufacturers has just recently announced that they're replacing all their teak decks with cork and there's a whole bunch of other materials engineering um, fixes that are happening to use seaweed instead of plastic and as i say reuse or recycle and there's some some pretty interesting technology going on in that part of the world although i must say it looks like Australia is a little bit behind places like Scandinavia and Norway in that in that regard. Yeah, we'll see how how that pans out. Yeah, look, I, I you're right. 
I guess that comes a bit down to to volume. You know that that just reminds me too. What what always fascinates me is the boat ownership levels of Scandinavian countries. It's remarkably high. That they, they are in the top ten of of boat ownership levels, right? Around the country, there's some of those it's like Denmark and so on. And what's interesting is they they are also a, a number of those Scandinavian countries are not only in the in the top ten of boat ownership and participation in boating, they're also in the top ten of the happiest countries in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, they must export a lot as well. There's some big brands um, in that part of the world. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean. But that, in terms of that social benefit, that's really important to us. We've done a, we've done quite a bit of work. I've become friends with a, a fellow called Dr. Wallace Nichols. I know, I, the Blue Mind guy. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah. he and I know each other and we've, we've, we've helped each other a bit. But, yes, the Blue Mind guy, award-winning author of Blue Mind. And, but I love that story, you know, that where he's got the science, he's done an evidence-based approach to, you know, prove that boating is literally good for you, right? And good and good for mental health, and uh, so we we actually use that opportunity, particularly when we're talking to governments around the the need for you know to keep the pace on in terms of new and improved infrastructure to enable access to our waterways. Absolutely, it's, yeah. it's not just about the economic benefit that the sector can bring; it's also that um, extremely powerful and sometimes hard to grapple with and understand social benefit but uh thanks to uh jay nichols we've we've got a we've got some metrics to prove that it literally is demonstrated to be a, a benefit societally which is a, which is a very powerful thing so and yeah, that's a- I've, I've always been a big fan again i'm more on the sailing sailing side than um power boating side but i've always been a, i've always been a big advocate for sailing as a team a team work and team building exercises, it's, it's hard to beat racing a sailboat in terms of everybody having a job to do and having to do it at the best of their ability. Otherwise, the entire team suffers. It's not like a football team where if one guy's not playing well, you've got another 23 or another 10 who can carry them. You know, oh, on a sailboat, it's a very different story. You're talking to the converted, I had to tell you, because <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sailor, but I love all anything to do with being on, on in, around and under the water. I'm a Jay Nichols disciple, but you know, sailing in itself is is really extraordinary when you when you stop to think about it, because it's so dynamic. It's hard to convey that to the the lay person. Yeah, but that idea, especially in a, I've done all sorts of sailing, you know, ocean sailing and dinghies and skiffs and whatever, about forty two years in international fourteens. The dinghy sailing, I just love it because you're about in that constant dynamic of balancing. Not only the sheeting of the sails, but the balance of the boat across the boat and also through its length, and also the variables in wind direction and strength. So there is, and that is such a fantastic dynamic to work in. Everything well, then you add the moved. fact that there's 90 racing rules to remember. <laughs> and, I was, and I was about to say, it's such a wonderful physical and mental challenge. And then you throw in, if you're racing, which is a beautiful thing, it's a wonderful thing about racing. Uh, the dynamic, the uh, it's like on turbo because you've got all the rules at play around your rights, their rights, and tactics, and it's just a wonderful. I, I'm with you. It's 
it is one of the most wonderful sports on the planet. Just before we we wrap this up, um, what are you most excited about for the for the near future? Is there anything that you're seeing in terms of trends or or things that are coming up that you're um, that you're really excited about? A couple of things. One of them is the the because I do a lot of work with governments, and I'm seeing a genuine tr- understanding of the value of boating in government that wasn't there ten years ago, not to this level. And I think right. COVID's allowed that because there's such a, fl- a, a flood of people getting into it. And that basically forced their hand to understand it, respect it. And so I think I'm really excited about the, the fact that boating has a, a, an increasing reputation and voice. And if your reputation is incre- you know, increases, then your relevance increases to them. And therefore, they'll, they'll take more notice. And that means we get better infrastructure and access and boat ramps and pontoons and all of that stuff. And I'm also really excited about the opportunity for the Brisbane 32 Olympic Games. Right. But we need the government to start putting some evidence on the desk, on the table in front of us of what their plans are, particularly for the Olympic sailing regatta on Waterloo Bay. Okay. The opportunity, the opportunity for legacy infrastructure is extraordinary there. And to relieve the compression and and navigation restrictions and safety issues of the inner harbour of Manly with a fabulous Olympic precinct which would have public good benefit post the Olympic Games. That's phenomenally, for that area, phenomenally uh, exciting opportunity, but we need the government to start demonstrating the hearing. You know, I was lucky to work, I was lucky enough to work on the Sydney Olympics. Brisbane Olympics will be totally different ball game from an aquatic point of view. The return of boat shows after two years of being blown apart to really celebrate the excitement of boating is a good thing too because we we miss them and they're not an easy thing to put together and they're, they're a massive beast of a thing but yeah, the opportunity right. to incite excite the public excite the industry and create a celebration of everything around the activity is a wonderful it's a wonderful opportunity so i'm looking forward to it Fantastic. So just to remind everyone, that's um, the 3rd to the 6th of August, and it's right next to the CBD down in um, Darling Harbour and the ICC. So, yeah, thanks very much, Neil, for your time. Yeah, we'll catch up when I'm, when I'm up there for the show. Yeah, thanks, David. The Yacht Business Podcast is produced by Pilot Media for the Pilot Media Network. Find out more at yachtbusiness.biz. Mm-hmm.